Hi, I'm David Locke, host of Locked On NBA and founder of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, a biggest stories in the NBA from the locals' angles. Giannis Adetokounmpo wows everyone. We'll check in with Eric Name from Locked On Bucks. The Suns historically bad and fire their coach. Evan Sittery will stop by with us from Locked On Suns. And the Clippers are new. Are they good? We'll find out from Lucas Hand. Those are our three stops on our biggest stories from the local experts today in today's show, brought to you by Casper Mattresses as well as DraftKings. Let's get it going. It is, oh, by the way, Kevin Arnovitz coming up later in the week on Lockdown NBA. Let's get it going. The biggest stories in the league from the local experts of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. No question where we're going to start our Locked On NBA biggest stories, local experts this week. It's going to be in Milwaukee. The talk of the league is Giannis Antetokounmpo and Eric Name joins us. He and Frank Madden host a fabulous show, Locked On Bucks, one of the most successful shows on the network. And also, it's a bunch of NBA shows. I say this, I said this about Locked On Nuggets, I think a few weeks ago, that I listen to just to learn stuff. These guys just talk great NBA. So if you're ever just looking for good NBA talk, catch Eric and Frank. And Eric, has Giannis surprised you this week? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, so... In our lead-up in one of our last episodes before the season, every year, we Frank and I have been podcasting together. We do over-unders. And the over-under I threw out at Frank was over-under three-and-a-half for Giannis's MVP finish. Frank ended up taking the under and, and thought just barely he'll be under. I took the over for a top-three MVP finish. And what my logic was, okay, he's one of the three guys that's probably going to be the quote-unquote man uh, in – on his specific team, whether that's uh, LeBron, Kawhi, or Giannis, those are the three guys in my mind that are not getting help from anyone else. That they're they're not adding a, a high profile teammate. Uh, and to me, I was like, okay, that that would make sense. And I thought the Bucks would win enough that he could be in that conversation. So I, I thought I saw a top three MVP season. Did I see thirty eight points per game? No, never in a million years. It, it's it's absolutely ridiculous what he did and we recorded last night after the game and he goes for 44 in a career high and this this idea just had me cackling he was 16 of 19 from two 16 of 19 he's not a center he's not catching alley-oops he's not deandre jordan he was 16 of 19 from inside the arc and most of them are unassisted. There's some of them that were assisted that he, he got some fast break dunks and stuff like that. But 16 of 19 from two as a primary ball handler, it, it's insane. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so did he surprise me? Absolutely. Because I, I could have never in a million years seen this level of domination from Giannis. He scores 25 points. He grabs 10 rebounds, four assists, and two steals in the six playoff games last year. Do you think in that stretch of time that he learned something about how good he can be? I think he's just developing as a basketball player. I, I was having this conversation with a couple people before the game, uh, before he went for 44 on Saturday, and I, I was marveling at last year when you'd watch Giannis play, the the pick and roll with Giannis as the ball handler, it wasn't a good play for the Bucks. He, he just wasn't good at it. He... he he would get to a spot and he'd know, 
oh, I should have made this pass or I, I should have slowed down a little bit here or I should have snaked this dribble. And he would get to that spot and he would realize it. And then how he would try to correct for it was just keep on plowing through and going to the basket. And granted, he's insanely talented. So sometimes it would work and, and he would get all of those points. But this year, his understanding is just so much better. He, he's changing pace. He's able to, he's gotten stronger. He's added 10 pounds of muscle, which again, I know can always kind of be a, a running joke, but you can really see it with Giannis. It's 10 pounds more and guys are just bouncing off of him. The, the opening night, Aaron Baines is bouncing off him. That's a center and he is just bouncing off of him on his way to the basket. So, um, I don't know if he realized anything in that playoff series. I just think he's maturing and developing as a basketball player and figuring out all of those small things that when we talk about ball handling and being a primary uh, ball handler and creator, you always pick up those intricacies. And he's really starting to figure some of those things out. He's he's learning how to change pace. He's learning how to manipulate defenders. He Just watching him on, on a nightly basis is something because you keep thinking, okay, th- there can't be a huge leap again. And every single year, Giannis has improved across all five major categories every year. So year one, two, three, four, every single year, he's improved all five categories. And you think last year when he's top 20 in the league in all those categories, he leads the Bucks in all five major statistical categories. You think there's no way he could do, he, he can improve on all of those again. I think he's going to. And it, it, it's, I've never seen a player continue to fulfill that insane trajectory like Giannis. Every single year, it it is just leaps and bounds better, and uh, it's really impressive to watch. And he's 22. (laughs) It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And and last night was the best performance by a Bucks player I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, like Jennings had 55 in his rookie year. Uh, Michael Red had 57, and I think in 04. But the fact that it's 44 plus the final three defensive possessions of the game in the box score read: Adetokounmpo steal of Damian Lillard, Adetokounmpo steal of CJ McCollum, Adetokounmpo block of Yusuf Nurkic. What? How? Uh, how is that possible? I, I told Frank last night that there's always the idea of a great player willing a team to victory. I've never seen a player literally do it. He, he literally willed them to a victory on both sides of the floor last night. It, it was crazy. All right. I'm not trying to poke a hole in it. I just want to make sure we understand what's going on and try to figure out what's sustainable and what's not. So he's taken 40 of his 67 shots in the restricted area. Yep. He has only taken 16 shots that are not in the paint, and he's only 5 of 16. So he this the crazy thing here is I'm, I'm not actually sure he's developed a better shot per se. Outside of 9 feet this year, I no, think I don't, yeah, he's, he has he's, he's outside of 9 feet. He's 4 of 16. Yeah. Like, can't... I, can't is it really impossible to keep him away from the basket? It has been in the first three games. I think teams will will start to devise better plans. But at the same time, I don't know if I've seen a defender when he touches the ball within 
eight feet of him. Like teams are sagging all the way off of him and he's still able to get to those spots and he's still able to shoot. It's got to be what, 67, 70, 75%, somewhat, something like that in the restricted area. Inside, inside nine feet, he is 43 of 51. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it, it, but you you just learned about me. Like I'm the negative Nelly, right? Like yeah, he's, he's actually forty one of forty one of fifty one is actually what I think it is. I think so I said eight, it wrong. Eighty ish so, percent. Yeah. So he's uh, but and he's forty one of fifty one, and he's four of sixteen outside of that. I you know I don't think the answer's to sag off him. I think you got to get up on him because he has a head of steam by the time he gets toward the paint, and then you can't stop him. Yeah, and talking to coaches before games for the last couple of years, there there is kind of that that counter idea of what you're doing by letting him have all that space is take full advantage of everything he can do. You're you're allowing him. Uh, I, I can't. I'm trying to think which coach it was that made this comparison, but he had said that it's like you're letting Aaron Rodgers have. 10 seconds in the pocket. You're rushing no one and just letting him stand back there and letting his wide receivers get open, letting his blockers figure out the way that they can get him into open space. Like you're allowing him to take full advantage of that seven foot, uh, of, of that seven foot length of his ability, of his vision to see things that other people can't see. You're, you're letting him do that. So I think, there's going to be kind of a reversal here as teams start to see that it's it's just not working sagging off him that much uh, because he's not settling anymore. Like he, I mean, you mentioned the numbers, 16 shots from outside of nine feet. That, that's insane for someone that has the usage that he has had in these three games and scored at the level that he has in these three games. So he's not settling for that anymore. I do think you're going to start seeing people get – closer to him, get a little bit tighter with him. And I think that may be the way to take advantage of him because his handle is still a little bit on the loose side. Um, again, maybe it's not for a guy that's seven feet tall, but uh, it is probably on the loose side. I think that may be a way to take advantage of him. But the thing you really open yourself up to, and we saw it in the Cleveland game, I'm trying to th- I think LeBron might have came out a little bit harder on him. And Giannis is just such a great cutter. And I know, I think I've heard you reference the cutting numbers for Giannis, that he's in the whatever percentile, that he's among the best of the best in the league at cutting. And I think if you start to deny and try to overplay, I just think you get back to death. And, well, as Aaron Baines found out, that means you're getting dunked on uh, as they they throw a lob over the top or someone can thread a a backdoor pass in there. So it's going to be – I, there's no doubt in my mind that he's not. He's there's no way he scores 38 points for the entire season per game. Um, but it's it's going to be fun to watch how teams try to stop him. Because Terry Stott said last night, everyone has the same scouting report. Everyone knows what he's trying to do. You just have to figure out what's the best way to stop him. Eric, name, have a great time with Frank covering this team all year. It's going to be fun to watch Giannis night in and night out. You can catch him on Locked on Bucks. It's the local expert on the biggest story, and this is unquestionably the biggest story of the opening week of the NBA. Thanks very much. Thanks, David. Well, Giannis has truly been something else so far this season. Another, another thing that is something else 
is a sleep brand that gets 4.8 stars on over 20,000 reviews. That's right, Casper Mattress, the perfectly designed for humans, engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. You spend a third of your life sleeping, so it should be comfortable. Casper Mattress provides all the support the human body needs in all the right places. Casper Mattresses, you get it for 100 nights risk-free, so you can sleep on it trial and make sure you see how great it is. The quality combines multiple supportive memory phones for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. Designed and developed in the U.S. And as I mentioned, unbelievable reviews. They've got three mattress models, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential Casper. This is not just a mattress company. They also have a wide array of other things to help your sleeping experience. No hassle returns, 100 nights. It's delivered to you right in a small box that makes you say, how'd they do that? It's Casper. Go to casper.com slash locked. That's casper.com slash locked and get $50 off towards any mattress purchase at casper.com slash locked. And do not forget 100-day free or 100-night risk-free trial. From the lead story of goodness to maybe the lead story of badness in the opening week of the NBA season. season. And we go to the Phoenix Suns, and Evan Sidery is the host of Locked on Suns, and they fired a coach already. So this may be an all-time record. Earl Watson fired as the head coach of the Phoenix Suns. And Evan, it's weird to say, but I'm not sure this was a surprise. Maybe only that it was done by the third game of the year. No, I totally agree with you there because – very early on, even throughout the preseason, we saw a team that was really showing a lack of effort. And really, Earl Watson, throughout, when he was speaking with media throughout the last couple of weeks, he's been saying a lot about team unity, the team trying to get together. So there's obviously some sort of friction or some sort of thing that was going on inside the locker room. And maybe Earl Watson was losing the locker room a little bit. But from his performances over the last year and a half, as the after it took the interim tag off of him, it's not really a surprise with his overall performance. And really, through those first three games, the Suns had almost 100-point total differential so really at that point it was almost inexcusable for Watson to even keep the job Kevin Pelton tweeting out that's the largest differential ever for a team after three games in the history of the NBA so Earl came inexperienced but with great touches John Wooden Jerry Sloan Hubie Brown why didn't it work I think it's really because his X's and O's were a complete failure from this season because as we saw throughout it was a lot of iso ball and it was just a lot of motions and sets. And really, he wasn't using the right guys properly, like Dragon Bender and Josh Jackson, guys who are two of the best overall facilitators on this roster, even though they're bigs and wings. He didn't use them at all as far as that goes. Josh Jackson hasn't touched the ball as, as a facilitator yet. It's been a lot of really confusing rotations, too. We saw Alex Lynn and Tyson Chandler together the other night against the Clippers, even though Dragon Bender by far has been their best defender plus minus. So it's really just been a lot of head-scratching decisions from Earl Watson and also just Speaking on more of family and love outside just X's and O's, and I think that was rubbing some people the wrong way in the ownership and front office. The locker room. Eric Bledsoe tweets today, before Watson's fired, get me out of here. Was he talking about Phoenix and the Suns? I really think so. From from John Gamadora, our local radio host here in Arizona, he said that he spoke to Bledsoe, and he actually said that Bledsoe is actively trying to move out here and get out of Phoenix. And it's really not a surprise because he said also that 
Blitz has been trying to leave Phoenix over the summer. He requested a trade with management, but management has not complied yet. So it's going to be really interesting to follow that because really throughout preseason and even when I spoke with Bledsoe, I talked to Bledsoe about having to share the ball more with the likes of TJ Warren, Devin Booker, and even Josh Jackson now. And even he even admitted to me it's been a struggle for him to really relinquish the control of the offense and play more off balls. We saw Devin Booker play a lot more point guard. So maybe Bledsoe was getting pretty frustrated. And obviously the losing culture was kind of rubbing him the wrong way. And he, pro- he probably expected to be traded this offseason anyways with how he's been in the rumors for the past year and a half, two years. So I think Bledsoe's price reaches that and boiling point, to be honest. Where does Phoenix go now? From here, I think with Jay Triano, it's going to be probably the same X's and O's as far as it goes, but it just has to be more effort. This season wasn't about wins and losses for the Suns. We all knew there could be a top, a bottom five team as far as wins and losses go, but it's about development. You don't want to stunt the growth of the likes of Josh Jackson, Devin Booker with this thing happening. Three games into the season, with Jay Triano, there has to be some sort of X's and O's replacement because obviously whatever is working on offense defense is just a complete failure right now. has to be some sort of resurfacing of whatever's going on. And really from here, it's just about making sure this the hashtag timeline doesn't be a failure because this type of thing could really hurt the culture of the Suns with how young of a roster they have. Which of these pieces are actually really good? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer of Devin Booker and Josh Jackson, but outside of that, everyone else is free reign because Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris – they're both 20 years old. Bender's only 19 years old. They still have a lot more to prove. And Chris has shown throughout Summer League his his issues as far as basketball IQ and his temperament are still issues. Through Summer League, he should have dominated in Summer League as well as Bender. And they both had some head-scratch performances and some moments where they looked like they weren't fully developed and ready as they should be heading in their second seasons. And those those were a little concerning to me. So overall, I'm really big on Josh Jackson. Love was the number one guy in the draft. So I think the Suns did good there, and Devin Booker is one of the best young scoring guards in the league. But outside of that, you have to somehow build the roster around Booker and Jackson. But at this point, it might take a while for them to reach that status as a, as a contender. And what gets interesting there is if you're if Bledsoe is the point guard or the head of the snake in that sense, and he's unhappy, that's that gets that's a tough little game to mesh together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because. Overall, Bledsoe was the second behind Jared Dudley and Tyson Chandler. He was the third oldest guy on the roster and by far their overall leader as far as production goes. And if Bledsoe wants out, it's going to be a thing where a lot of young guys are going to be looking for someone to talk to. And really, it's going to be just Tyson Chandler there if Bledsoe wants out. So McDonough, GM Ryan McDonough and owner Robert Sobering have to come up with some real quick to, find, to bring some veteran leadership into the, into the locker room with what's going on. And because at this point, you don't want to have any issue with the young guys because I think the average age of this roster is 23 and a half, 24 years old. So you need to find more veteran leadership, some stability, because at this point, it's, this is just unexpected for me to even see at this point. Three games into the season, all this is already happening. Lots of dysfunction in this organization now for quite some time. Where does it stem from? Honestly, I mean, I've heard a lot of people say owner Robert Sarver, and they might be right because – We've seen multiple times throughout Sarver's tenure as the majority partner and owner of the Phoenix Suns. He's been very cheap as far as coaches go. And I think at this point he has to open up the wall a little bit more as far as coaching and getting that right guy in with these young guys goes. Because if he doesn't get that right coach in there and he hasn't spent a little bit more money, then at this point what's the point of even doing hashtag a timeline? Because they're aiming towards 2020 for this team to be very good. But at this point – being the worst overall team plus minus wise in almost every single statistical category, there has to be some sort of restart, and it's not a good sign when you're one of the youngest teams on the roster. And Robert Sarver has to, has to show some sort of urgency here, I believe. 
Evan, thanks very much for the look at the biggest stories from the local angle. Continue the work on Locked On Suns. People can grab it and subscribe. Thanks very much for taking the time with us. And no problem, David, anytime. Before we make our final stop in L.A. to check in on whether the Clippers are actually good with their new look, I want to remind basketball fans that with the season back, you know what time it means. Test your basketball knowledge with the One Day Fantasy League at DraftKings.com. One Day Fantasy Basketball at DraftKings. You can be a part of the action every night with DraftKings. There are so many ways to play. Choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you take on your friends. They have beginner level. They have casual contests or Guys like your skill level, you can amp it up. Your draft is simple. Select eight players, stay under your $50,000 salary cap, earn points for scoring, assists, blocks, rebounds, and more. And the best part, you can draft a new team every day without commitment. So hurry to DraftKings.com. Use the promo code DRIBBLE. I know, different. Dribble to play free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes. That code's Dribble to play for free with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We now head to L.A. There were so many questions about... Minnesota and Oklahoma City, still a lot about Oklahoma City and what a shot by Andrew Wiggins the other night with Minnesota. The Clippers are 2-0, and but I'm not sure we know anything yet. Uh, they've played the Lakers and the Suns, who might combine to win 20 games this year. So we'll see, but let's find out. Lucas Han is the head, is the head of Locked On Clippers and does a great job. And Lucas, what do you feel like you've learned two games in with the 2-0 and Clippers? It just feels good. I mean, you know, it's two bad teams. It's Phoenix and the Lakers. They're both, I mean, they're both really bad. And they're teams that you should beat. But you come in, it's these first couple games without Chris Paul, right? And you come in and you just really beat the crap out of two bad teams like you're supposed to. And the ball's moving and, you know, it feels good. And I think it's just a good start. It's a good sign. The team feels comfortable together. And so we'll see how effective that is, especially in the next couple of games against Utah and Portland, which are teams the Clippers will compete with for playoff positioning. But you kind of just get the sense that, okay, it's not horrible. So I've felt that Blake Griffin of February of three years ago now is who Blake Griffin could be. Chris Paul was out. He dominated for a month. I think he averaged 31 points and was close to – you know, almost a triple-double or, you know, at the time it seemed incredible. We've had Harden and Westbrook since. Is that Blake Griffin again, or is it, or is that too much to ask? I don't know that he can do that for 82 games. Okay, there's not a lot of guys ever who have been able to do that for 82 games. But I think what's been remarkable about Blake to me in these first two games is that he's had a couple of 29-point outings. In the first game, 29 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists and then against the Suns, 29 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and he hasn't had a great game in either game. It's been kind of routine. He goes out there and he gets, you know, four buckets in every quarter. He finds the open guy. He grabs some rebounds. He pushes the ball up the floor. But he hasn't really gone off yet, and he's been great. So I think when he goes off, we're you know, we're really seeing a guy, compared to what he's done in the last couple of regular seasons, kind of taking the next step into superstardom and leading a team the eye-opening one is six of 11 from three do you believe it yeah because i think if you look at his numbers you know last year he had that knee injury he was out for most of december and january from when he came back in january 
he shot about 37% from deep. So do I believe six of 11? No, I don't think he's going to shoot 50%. But do I think that he could shoot 34, 35, 36% on a decent volume, you know, four or five attempts a game? Yeah, I do, especially because teams tend to leave him so open on that pick-and-pop shot. He's been shooting, you know, 38, 40% from 20 feet for years. So it makes sense that he would take that setback and shoot from 23 feet and get that extra point. When you think of the Clippers, you think of Chris Paul coming up, directing traffic, probably a pick-and-roll with DeAndre, maybe the squeeze pick-and-roll with Blake and DeAndre. How are they different now? What are the Clippers now? I think you've got everyone doing a little bit of everything. So the ball is coming up. Gallinari's bringing the ball up. Blake Griffin's bringing the ball up. You know, both guards, Teodosic obviously injured, but in the first couple games. But then even going to the bench with Lou Williams, Austin Rivers, Patrick Beverly, you don't have a floor general on the team. You don't have a guy who dribbles it up and runs a set. So, yeah, there's still a lot of pick-and-roll action like you'll see with any team in the NBA. But it's because you've got three guards who can find a guy in a pick-and-roll. But there's there's just so much going on, and it's so versatile. And I think that that was a big step that the Clippers made in replacing Luke and Bonmute with Daniel Gallinari. Not that they're looking to Gallinari for 20 points a game like he might be capable of, but that they just want really good offensive players at every position so that the ball can move more and everyone can do a little bit of everything. So in that sense, they probably resemble a little bit more of like last year's Utah team than last year's Clippers team. I know you guys had a lot of ball movement, and I don't think anyone averaged more than four assists. I think we'll see a little more of that sort of style with the Clippers. They will be a very good passing team, but it's going to be much more distributed as opposed to Chris Paul finding everyone and doing all of the facilitating. The schedule's awfully soft. They opened with the Lakers and Suns, as we talked about. They play six of their next seven, I think it is, at home. Only the Warriors are a projected playoff team there, unless you think Utah is too. Uh... When do you think you actually have some idea who this team is? You know, it's hard because the team is so new. They're incorporating three new starters. And, you know, now that'll probably be Austin Rivers, who technically was on the team last year as a backup since Tadosa just hurt. But then you look down the bench, and almost everyone who's coming in as a depth option is also a new guy. Wesley Johnson was on the team last year. He's playing in the rotation this year. That's it. So you basically got four guys in the rotation who played together last year. And so I think it's good to have this home heavy start to have, you know, a lot of teams that you should beat, and hopefully you come in, you take care of business. And it's almost like an extended preseason, you know, games against the Lakers and the Suns might as well be exhibitions. So you come into this sort of extended preseason, this soft early schedule, and it does help you get a sense, not necessarily of how good the team truly is, but a little bit about what the identity of the team is. And then once they develop that identity and that confidence, we'll see it more put to the test as we get into November and the Clippers start going up, you know, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Cleveland, all all on the road, actually, in the first couple weeks of November. Lucas, thank you very much for a quick check on the 2-0 and Clippers. We're waiting for them to play an NBA opponent. They'll hopefully do it Tuesday against the Utah Jazz, <laughs> Thursday against Portland before extending their homestand. Lucas, thanks very much for stopping by, being the local expert on the big stories of the NBA here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you, David.
covering the biggest stories with the local experts every week right here on Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe to your favorite team's NBA podcast, the Locked On Podcast. Thanks to Eric Name, Locked On Bucks, on Giannis, Evan Sidery, Locked On Suns, on the Earl Watson firing in the mess, and Lucas with a nice check on the Clippers. Remember, the promo code is Dribble for DraftKings.com. Dribble for DraftKings.com to get your first deposit uh, free with your first deposit of 10 for chance to win $10,000 to do that. And then Casper.com slash locked and get your 100-night free sleep on, try on. You know what I mean. This has been Locked on NBA, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Kevin Arnovitz coming up later in the week.